sido. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time that we have as a couple, as a married couple, Lord, to read your word and to to just uh, hear the good news about Jesus, Lord. And we ask you to let those words come alive, things that you want us, the Holy Spirit, the things that you think are important. Um, please help us to understand. Um, give us wisdom, Lord. Um, open our hearts and our ears and our eyes, Lord, that we may receive good Good, a good feeding today, Lord. We want to sit at the table in the presence of our enemies, Lord. And we want to just rejoice and we want to feast. And we thank you that the word is alive and it's the truth. And we stand on the truth of God and the word of God and Jesus. Amen. Amen. Genesis 37.1 to 38.30. So Jacob settled again in the land of Canaan, where his father had lived as a foreigner. This is the account of Jacob and his family. When Joseph was 17 years old, he often tended his father's flock. He worked for his half-brothers, the sons of his father's wives, Bilhah and Sipah. But Joseph reported to his father some of the bad things his brothers were doing. Jacob loved Joseph more than any of his other children because Joseph had been born to him in his old age. So one day Jacob had a special gift made for Joseph, a beautiful robe. But his brothers hated Joseph because their father loved him more than the rest of them. They couldn't say a kind word to him. One night Joseph had a dream, and when he told his brothers about it, they hated him more than ever. Listen to this dream, he said. We were out in the field, tying up bunches of grain. Suddenly, bundles, suddenly my bundle stood up, and your bundles all gathered around and bowed low before mine. His brothers responded, So you think you will be our king, do you? Do you actually think we will, you will reign over us? And they hated him all the more because of his dreams and the way he talked about them. Soon Joseph had another dream, and again he told his brothers about it. Listen, I have had another dream, he said. The sun, moon, and eleven stars bowed low before me. This time he told the dream to his father as well, as to his brothers, but his father scolded him. What kind of dream is that, he asked. Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow to the ground before you? But while his brothers were jealous of Joseph, his father wondered what the dream meant. Soon after this, Joseph's brothers went to pasture their father's flock at Shechem. When they had been gone for some time, Jacob said to Joseph, Your brothers are pasturing the sheep at Shechem. Get ready, and I will send you to them. I'm ready to go, Joseph replied. Go and see how your brothers and the flocks are getting along. Jacob said, Then come back and bring me a report. So Jacob sent him on his way, and Joseph traveled to Shechem from their home in the valley of Hebron. When he arrived there, a man from the area noticed him wandering around the countryside. What are you looking for, he asked. I'm looking for my brothers, Joseph replied. Do you know where they are pasturing their sheep? Yes, the man told him. They have moved on from here, but I heard them say, let's go on to Dothan. So Joseph followed his brothers to Dothan, and found them there. When Joseph's brothers saw him coming, they recognized him in the distance. As he approached, they made plans to kill him. Here comes the dreamer, they said. Come on, let's kill him and throw him into one of these cisterns. We can tell our father a wild animal has eaten him. Then we'll see what becomes of his dreams. But when Reuben heard of their scheme, he came to Joseph's rescue. Let's not kill him, he said. Why should we shed any blood? Let's just throw him into the empty cistern here in the wilderness. 
then he'll die without our laying a hand on him. Reuben was secretly planning to rescue Joseph and return him to his father. So when Joseph arrived, his brothers ripped off the beautiful robe he was wearing. Then they grabbed him and threw him into the cistern. Now the cistern was empty. There was no water in it. Then just as they were sitting down to eat, they looked up and saw a caravan of camels in the distance coming toward them. It was a group of Ishmaelite traders taking a load of gum, balm, and aromatic resin from Gilead down to Egypt. Judah said to his brothers, What? We will gain by killing our brother. We have to cover up the crime. Instead of hurting him, let's sell him to those Ishmaelites, traitors. After all, he is our brother, our own flesh and blood, and his brothers agreed. So when the Ishmaelites, who were Midianite traitors, came by, Joseph's brothers pulled him out of the cistern and sold him to them for twenty pieces of silver, and the traitors took him to Egypt. Sometime later, Reuben returned to get Joseph out of the cistern. When he discovered that Joseph was missing, he tore his clothes in grief. Then he went back to his brothers and lamented, The boy is gone. What will I do now? Then the brothers killed a young goat and dipped Joseph's robe in his blood. They sent the beautiful robe to their father with this message. Look at what we found. Doesn't this robe look belong to your son? Their father recognized him immediately. Yes, he said, it is my son's robe. A wild animal must have eaten him. Joseph had clearly been torn to pieces. Then Jacob tore his clothes and dressed himself in burlap. He mourned deeply for his son for a long time. His family all tried to comfort him, but he refused to be comforted. I will go to my grave mourning for my son, he would say. And then he was weep. Meanwhile, the Midianite traders arrived in Egypt, where they sold Joseph to Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. Potiphar was a captain in the palace guard. About this time, Judah left home and moved to Adulam, where he stayed with a man named Hira. There he saw a Canaanite woman the daughter of Shua, and he married her. When he slept with her, she became pregnant and gave birth to a son, and he named the boy Ur. Then she became pregnant again and gave birth to another son, and she named him Onan. And when he gave birth to a, and when she gave birth to a third son, she named him Shelah. At that time of Shelah's birth, they were living at Kezib. In the course of time, Judah arranged for his firstborn son, Ur, to marry a young woman named Tamar. But Ur was a wicked man in the Lord's sight, so the Lord took his life. Then Judah said to Ur's brother, Onan, Go and marry Tamar as our law requires of the brother of a man who has died. You must produce an heir for your brother. But Onan was not willing to have a child who would not be his own heir. So whenever he had intercourse with his brother's wife, he spilled his semen on the ground. This prevented her from having a child who would belong to his brother. But the Lord considered it evil for one Onan to deny a child to his dead brother. So the Lord took Onan's life too. Then Judah said to Tamar, his daughter-in-law, Go back to your parents' home and remain a widow until my son, Shelah, is old enough to marry you. But Judah didn't really intend to do this because he was afraid Shelah would also die like his two brothers. So Tamar went back to live in, his, in her father's home. Some years later, Judah's wife died. After the time of mourning was over, Judah and his friend Hira, the Adulamite, went up to Timnah to supervise the shearing of his sheep. Someone told Tamar, look, your father-in-law is going up to Timnah to shear his sheep. Tamar was aware that Sheila had grown up, but no arrangements had been made for her to come and marry him. So she changed out of her widow's clothing and covered herself with a veil 
to disguise herself. Then she sat beside the road of the entrance of the village of Anaim, which is the road to Timnah. Judah noticed her and thought she was a prostitute since she was covered. She had covered her face. So he stopped and propositioned her. Proper position, huh? Let me have sex with you, he said, not realizing that she was his own daughter-in-law. How much will you pay to have sex with me, Tamar asked. I'll send you a young goat from my flock, Judah promised. But what will you give me to guarantee that you will send the goat, she asked. What kind of guarantee do you want, he replied. She answered, leave me your identification seal and its cord and the walking stick you are carrying. So Judah gave them to her. Then he had intercourse with her and she became pregnant. Afterwards, she went back home, took off her veil and put on her widow's clothing as usual. Later, Judah asked his friend Hira, the Adulamite, to take the young goat to the women and pick up the things he had given her as guarantee. But Hira couldn't find her, so he asked the man who lived there, where can I find the shrine prostitute who was sitting beside the road at the entrance of the Enim to Enim? We never had a shrine prostitute here, they replied. So Hira returned to Judah and told him, I couldn't find her anywhere, and the men of the village claimed there was never a shrine prostitute there. Then let her keep those things I gave her, Judah said. I sent the young goat as we agreed, but you couldn't find her. We'll be the laughing stock of the village if we went back again looking for her. About three months later, Judah was told, Tamar, your daughter-in-law, had acted like a prostitute, and now because of this, she's pregnant. Bring her out to me. Bring her out and let her be burned, Judah demanded. But as they were talking her, taking her out to kill her, she sent this message to her father-in-law. The man who owns these things made me pregnant. Look closely. Whose seal and cord and walking stick are these? Judah recognized them immediately and said, She is more righteous than I am because I didn't arrange for her to marry my son Shelah. And Judah never slept with Tamar again. Then the time came for Tamar to give birth. It was discovered that she was carrying twins. While she was in labor, one of the babies reached out his hand. The midwife grabbed it and tied a scarlet string around the child's wrist, announcing this one came out first. But then he pulled back his hand and, he came, and out came his brother. What? the midwife exclaimed. How did you break out first? So he was named Perez. Then the baby with the scarlet string on his wrist was born and he was named Zerah. Okay. Matthew chapter 12 verses 22 to 45. Then a demon-possessed man who was blind and couldn't speak was brought to Jesus. He healed the man so that he could both speak and see. The crowd was amazed and asked, Could it be that Jesus is the son of David, the Messiah? But when the Pharisees heard about the miracle, they said, No wonder he can cast out demons. He gets his power from Satan, the prince of demons. Jesus knew their thoughts and replied, Any kingdom divided by civil war is doomed. A town or family splintered by feuding will fall apart. And if Satan is casting out Satan, he's divided and fighting against himself. His own kingdom will not survive. And I'm empowered by Satan. What about your own exorcists? They cast out demons too, so they will condemn you for what you have said. But if I'm casting out demons by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has arrived among you. For who is powerful enough to enter the house of a strong man like Satan and plunder his goods? Only someone even stronger, someone who could tie him up and then plunder his house. Anyone who isn't with me opposes me. 
and anyone who isn't working with me is actually working against me. So I tell you, every sin and blasphemy can be forgiven, except except blasphemy against the Holy Spirit, which will never be forgiven. Anyone who speaks against the Son of Man can be forgiven. But anyone who speaks against the Holy Spirit will never be forgiven, either in this world or in the world to come. A tree is identified by its fruit. If a tree is good, good, its fruit will be good. If a tree is bad, its fruit will be bad. You brood of snakes. How could evil men like you speak what is good and right? For whatever is in your heart determines what you say. A good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart. And an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. And I tell you this, you must give an account on judgment day for every idle word you speak. The words you say will either acquit you or condemn you. One day, some teachers of religious law and Pharisees came to Jesus and said, Teacher, we want you to show us a miraculous sign to prove your authority. But Jesus replied, Only an evil, adulterous generation would demand a miraculous sign. But the only sign I will give them is the sign of the prophet Jonah. For as Jonah was in the belly of the great fish for three days... And three nights, so will the Son of Man be in the heart of the earth for three days and three nights. The people of Nineveh will stand up against this generation on Judgment Day and condemn it. For they repented of their sins at the preaching of Jonah. Now someone greater than Jonah is here, but you refuse to repent. The Queen of Sheba will also stand up against this generation on Judgment Day and condemn it. For she came from a distant land to hear the wisdom of Solomon. Now someone greater than Solomon is here, but you refuse to listen. When an evil spirit leaves a person, it goes into, a, into the desert seeking rest, but finding none. Then it says, I will return to the person I came from. So it returns and finds its former home empty, swept, and in order. Then the spirit finds seven other spirits more evil than itself, and they all enter the person and live there. And so that person is worse off than before. That will be the experience of this evil generation. Wow. Uh, Psalm chapter 16, verse 1 to 11. Keep me safe, O God, for I have come to you for refuge. I said to the Lord, You're my master. Every good thing I have comes from you. The godly people on the land are my true heroes. I take pleasure in them. Troubles multiply for those who chase after other gods. I will not take part in their sacrifices of blood or even speak the names of their gods. Lord, you alone are my inheritance. My cup of blessing. You guard all that is mine. The land you have given me is a pleasant land. What a wonderful inheritance. I will bless the Lord who guides me. Even at night, my heart instructs me. Amen. I know the Lord is always with me. I will not be shaken, for he is right beside me. No wonder my heart is glad and I rejoice. My body rests in safety, for you will not leave my soul among the dead or allow your Holy One to rot in the grave. You will show me the way of life, granting me the joy of your presence and the pleasures of living with you forever. Amen. Proverbs 3, verses 27 to 32. Do not withhold good from those who deserve it when it's in your power to help them. If you can help your neighbor now, don't say come back tomorrow and then I'll help you. Don't plot harm against your neighbor, for those who live nearby trust you. Don't pick a fight without reason. 
when no one has done you harm. Don't envy violent people or copy their ways. Such wicked people are detestable to the Lord, but he offers his friendship to the godly. Amen. Ooh, good stuff. <clears throat> Amen. Uh, let me read the two um, studies for today. The first study is uh, Genesis on 37, 19-20. It says, Could jealousy ever make you feel like killing someone? Before saying, of course not, look at what happened in this story. Ten men were willing to kill their younger brother over a robe and a few reported dreams. Mm. They were angered by his pride and jealous of their father's favoritism. Mm. Their deep jealousy had grown into ugly rage, blinding them to what was right. Jealousy can be difficult to recognize because our reasons for it seems justified. But left unchecked, jealousy will not stop growing. The longer jealous feelings fester, the harder it is to uproot them. When jealousy reaches a point that drastic measures must be taken to uproot it, sin may feel easier and more justifiable instead to avoid this. Instead, to avoid this, deal with the first hints of jealousy. When you are, when you, you notice yourself comparing others' recognition, awards, and achievements against your own, or when you find yourself hoping they fall. Jealousy is a difficult emotion to control. Instead of dwelling on the sources of your jealousy, Spend time reflecting on God's complete power, on His love and goodness. These qualities reveal a God who wants good things for you and seeks to bless you through your trust in Him. Amen. What a beautiful point, you know. Yeah. The, the way these writers put it all together there, uh, you know, brought, brought it all home to jealousy for mm -hmm. me. Mm -hmm. I'm very grateful for this study because it's just really, you know, and, and I like the beauty of the 12-step program. They have steps 6 and 7 and 10 to oversee any new stuff that may be cropping up. You know, anger, mm -hmm. pride, mm -hmm. jealousy, Things that will take you out and take you out into the drink. Mm. And then you cause seven demons to come in worse. Huh? Mm. It says that jealousy, it's really nice the way these people put the Old Testament and the New Testament together because they're, they're kind of uh, complementing each other, you know, because of the seven demons that could enter a jealous spirit that goes mm. unchecked. It gets worse. Yeah, yeah. You're thinking about murder. You think, you know, you're mm. not thinking right. You actually don't have any control over your actions, you know. And Satan's always setting you up for a worse and a worse fall. Mm -hmm. And when jealousy contaminates you, you, your imagination turns wild and Satan starts making little confirmations of signs to the effect that your, your stupidity, it confirms it, that you should go wilder. It's almost in reverse to God's blessings. God's, in God's blessings, He starts giving you little little signs and wonders on the good side that He's with you and it's better to believe and trust and forgive. Jealousy is not believing. It's away from believing. It's almost fear too. Yeah. Fear you know? of insecurities. Yeah, insecurities. But, you know, jealousy is, is stronger than insecurities and no confidence. You know, so it's 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 beautiful to have a program where you can, hey, what's up with you? I see something in your in your in, in your face, you know. So uh, it lurks. So that's a wonderful study. You know, we can talk a lot about other things, but at, at least Reuben had enough common sense, yeah. you know, because mm. he was the oldest. Yeah. To, and, you know, he saw how he couldn't stand up. He was the oldest, but he still couldn't stand up to all his brothers mm -hmm. that they wanted to do this, you know. Mm -hmm. I don't know. You know, they, I'm sure they got into a lot of fist fights, and a lot of them were, were a lot of good fighters as they were growing up. Yeah. And they were, he was quite a bit older than, uh, than the younger yeah. son. Mm -hmm. 
I picture the younger son, uh, Joseph, as, uh, as uh, uh, thin and just all spirit, you know, very kind, mm -hmm. you know, and not brutal. Kind of like a little bit like little Jesse would be, you know. Mm -hmm. What do you think? Yeah. Um, I covered the... Yeah, you did. The jealousy I, I, part. Yeah, I, I just like the way he keeps having dreams, you know. But I think that, um, like a lot of times, we'll have a dream. Well, it's I love the way God speaks in the dream and instructs your heart at night, like I, re I read earlier. But... Um, Good point. Um, my point is that, you know, how important dreams are how God speaks. Because it's all over this Old Testament where we're seeing that. Well, you just made me realize that uh, a dream can take a long time. And look at this dream. He's still, this dream that he dreamed didn't take place until about 20 years later. You know, because he was incarcerated for about 12, 13 years, I think. I'm not sure. But by the time everything, you mm -hmm. know, rolled around, mm -hmm. you know. Wow, good point. Yeah. It took a long time. And, and that brings up another point because sometimes God will give us, depending on, I love, I want to study more about dreams. I really do uh, spend my time learning more, especially from John Paul Jackson. Who's well, I like the way you say you ask. That God revealed things to you when you're mm -hmm. going to sleep. Mm -hmm. You ask Him specifically, Lord, I need a dream. I need for mm -hmm. you to clarify this mm -hmm. in a dream for me. Mm -hmm. And when He starts answering you, that is a beautiful mm -hmm. walk, a re yeah. relationship that, you know, God gave me this dream and what to do. Right. Woo. But I, I, one of the things that, that really is important is... Um, like, I know that it's exciting. We have this dream that, that God gives us. And we're, we should write them down so we can see what's God speaking in that season. But I think sometimes it, we're so anxious to tell somebody about the dream. So I think there's a time that the, that needs to be released. It's mm -hmm. like, it's not always what that dream means. You know, you have to take time for the Holy Spirit to give you that revelation and then it, it, it might come to you hearing the word, you know, it's confirming through the word. It, you'll, you'll, it'll start to unravel as we ask the Holy Spirit for more, more insight. Um, so I think when he went to reveal this to them, it kind of made the problem a little bit more, you know. They got upset like, oh, really? They, they saw him with a lot of pride. And... Um, but it's it's awesome to see at such a young age how God is speaking so clearly to his, you know, he's speaking exactly into his future, you know, and I think that's what God does. He speaks into our destinies, instructing us, here's where you're going. You know, a lot of times um, it could be vehicles and transportation, which indicate ministries, you know, whether it's a boat or a train or a... A, a horse. car or a horse, yeah. A white horse, riding yeah. backwards, yeah, putting so, water in his butt. Yeah, so that, that to me, I, you know, when you wake up sometimes from a dream, you just know you heard from God. You really heard from God that day, you know. And it's uh, it's just, you know, I'm, I'm sad for people it's, who... It's funny, I've been praying uh, in, for those kids in uh, in Las Vegas. Mm -hmm. The grandkids, we've got to go see our adopted grandkids. Devin, David, yeah. and Daniela. Daniela, and uh, I said, you know our hearts, and you know their hearts, Lord, so but we wait patiently. Mm -hmm. I was praying, and then today I was in the back of a car that was really slow. We were going to drop off a package, a UPS, uh -huh. and the guy, I waited for the little man to back off, and he backed up really strange, and then he slows down, and he stops for somebody, and then, and then I kind of noticed that he had gray hair, but I was very patient. And finally, I saw his license plate, and the license plate says, uh, We love Papa Nando. Something like that. Really? And I, like, I mentioned to Randy, I said, Hey, check that out. That's my name, my short version for Nando. Mm -hmm. You know, we love something like that, Papa Nando. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but the ones in the Turlock call you Papa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it said, I love my poppy or something like that, uh -huh. but it said... But Nando, you rarely see on the license plate. Right, and this is the same. We saw that in, when we went to Hawaii, in remember? In Las Vegas. 
Yeah, we were in Hawaii. We were praying about. Car. We were. I prayed, God, do you want us to go to Hawaii? Uh-huh. And the next day, a, a Hawaii car mm-hmm. pulled right in. Front. I let him in. We took a picture of the. And and it said, plate. I said, look, it's just Hawaii and Nando. Yeah, it had like Hawaii plate, but it said Nando on it. Yeah, and this now this thing again is the same thing that God is confirming. It's trying to give me signs. That I'm gonna make it available for you to go to Las Vegas and see those kids. Mm-hmm. He said he's in a quality trip. Yeah. Not where we're lack of money and right. time and all right. stress. Amen. But a quality paid for trip. Amen. We and believe. And we're well rested. Yeah. Praise God. Amen. That's, that's we look forward to spending quality I, I time. You know. My friends that take the shop. You know. Yes. Amen. <laughs> you know. So that that just says you know sometimes we. You know, the dream to, you know, like, I just, I'm wondering about your your dreams because you seem to have so many of joy all the time. There is something there that God is speaking, and it'd be interesting to see what what it is. Like, yeah. you need to write your dream about Elvis that you had the other day. I did. You know. Um, Elvis Presley, huh? Yeah. And, uh, a and lot then of waters come dream in. Dream, Chewy had the, uh, that white. Levi's on. Yeah, they look yeah. trim and young, and, uh-huh. and I saw kind of like maybe I saw Jesus in them or something. Mm, beautiful. Yeah, because white is a sign of like a purity. Yeah, all white. You know, yeah. Elvis Presley used to uh-huh, dress with uh-huh. white. Yeah, so good, good, good. Um, so that's that's. And what was the latest dream I had about Rosa? I told you. Oh, that was a huge dream. Oh yeah. About her in the bikini, lying on the piano. Oh, praying for her legs. Yeah, praying for her legs. And then the other part before that, oh, the phone went off. Anyway, you know, and her picture was there. Yeah, yeah, wow. You know, oof. beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. A lot of people in there. Yeah. Okay, New Testament. Uh, Matt, you want to read this today's study? Well, I wanted to, well, what about the rest of the story? Of the well, whatever the Holy you ask the Holy Spirit, not yeah, I, not what you remember as yeah. a natural thing. What the Holy Spirit, well, see, the I Holy was, Spirit just brought that one part to me. Mm-hmm. I can talk a lot more about all these other things, but what is the Holy Spirit telling you, telling us? You know, He just brings it us specifically, an idea and a remembrance about a plane. Okay? Yeah, the one thing that was just kind of like something I wanted to to know more about was about. This thing with Tamar and 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 Sheila and you know why did it get to that point where she got pregnant by Judah? You know what was well, that whole what's going and on? And you said that she's more righteous than me. I uh-huh. am. When you said yeah. that. She said, I'm "Well, because right. there, the, you know, there was a law was written in mm-hmm. Leviticus somewhere that." Uh, that the younger, you know, the, 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 you know, very plain, you can see it, that the son had to give. So, so she marries, the guy dies, the younger son comes in, mm-hmm. uh, marries her, and makes her pregnant. And now they have a birthright to the land and to keep it going, mm. you know, for the birthright to keep going. And that's what she married. She, she married him so they, they can become part of the... Uh, she can be part of the plot, part of the inheritance and everything. I don't know. It's, it's a way to honor women or their their, their mm-hmm. dreams, too. But to keep... It says so right there so you can keep the the name going or mm-hmm. something. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, because he was of the same seed, the dad. Yeah. So she couldn't get the younger oh, kids. So she got the, the guy that had the, the seed that mm-hmm. would keep the inheritance going. Mm. That's wow, what, that's what it is. And he, that's why he called her more righteous than him, because she mm-hmm. was standing up for the law. Yeah, but, and oh, interesting. Very good. And then he was saying, because he should have arranged that marriage for her. And it's because it says over here, um, uh, okay, but Judah didn't really intend to do this because he was afraid Sheila would also die, like his two brothers. Right. So Tamar went back to live with the father's home. So he really should have, by the law, like you said, arranged that marriage to that brother. Yeah, right? Yeah. 
But, you know, it's kind of interesting. The second son, Onan, was not willing to have a child who would mm, not yeah, be that too. Mm-hmm. his own heir. So whenever he... So that guy had to sacrifice a lot. Uh-huh. And he could have been in love with another girl. I mean, he had to go marry this older girl. Yeah, but Anand, Anand the Lord considered it evil for him. Yeah, to he was the not wicked the like the first one. So mm-hmm. whenever he had intercourse, you know, uh, mm-hmm. that prevented her from having a child that would belong to his brother. Right. Would belong, but the Lord considered evil for Anand to deny a child mm-hmm. to his dead brother. So the Lord, wow, this is. Got, it got mm-hmm. really in, uh, in the level there. I was like trying to understand what's going on. I was trying to keep up with the story, and um, and then and then that the that she had, you know, you know the the, the father ended up being the one that, um, you know, she became became pregnant by, but she was she took that the stick and the seal, and ha- ha- held on to it because she was going to use it. Yeah, it seems like it was his uh, his uh, work pass, his ID, uh-huh. his social security uh-huh. card or something. The first time I've seen that so uh-huh. clearly. But uh, my reference doesn't say where the law is at. You know. Yeah, it doesn't, yeah, it's just that, wow, it just got really tangled up there. <laughs> um, but yeah, you're right, he should have, um, he said... Because I didn't arrange for her to marry my son, Sheila. Wow. Wow. Okay, so that's since she had the twins and said, but then he pulled back his hand and out came his brother. So the midwife grabbed it and tied a scarlet string around the child's wrist, announcing this one came out first. But then he pulled back, picture that he pulls back his hand and then his brother comes out. And um, he broke out, and his name was Perez. So I don't. Which means breakout. Mm. And in the Hispanic community in the Spanish Mexico, uh-huh. the the last name Perez, Perez. is uh-huh. huge. It's huge, yeah, yeah. And you know, I, I now would read the Bible. I notice that Mexico has a lot of uh, biblical names. Mm. You know, Solomon. They like Solomon mm-hmm. in it. Perez, Reuben. You know, there's just a Ra-oom. lot of biblical names. <laughs> okay, um, and then as we go to the book of Matthew, let's see, want to read the study? Will yeah, please. Okay, um, that today's study is Matthew's 12, 38 to 40. It says, the Pharisees asked for another miraculous sign, but not because they were sincerely seeking to know Jesus. They had already seen enough to convince them that he was the Messiah, but they refused to open their hearts and they had already decided not to believe in him, and more miracles would not change that. Many people have said, if I could just see a real miracle, then I would really believe in God. That's so true. Uh, But Jesus' response to the Pharisees applies to us. We have plenty of evidence Jesus' birth, his death, his resurrection, his ascension, and centuries of his work in believers around the world. Instead of looking for additional evidence or miracles, trust what God has already done and move forward. That's really good right there. He may use your life as evidence to reach another person. Mm. You know that that that's happen, that happens today. You know, people, you know, they're still going by unless I I see it, mm-hmm. then I'll believe, you know. Um so it's very true, you know, that we've got to uh, manage our lives by uh, the uh, you know our faith by evidence that is not seen. You can't see this. Mm-hmm. You know you, you can't live in the natural realm all the time. You gotta look to the to the spiritual things that are not temporal. You know the things that are temporary. So um, that's a really good point. Um, but. It's still always fun to see God talk to you in different ways. I think that's different. That's communicate. He's communicating with you. We just have to be or have our eyes open to to see what He's saying mm-hmm. or to hear what He's saying. You know, um, that you know, just being able to um, to be at all times. You know, look look to see if He's going to speak to you. You know, 
in the grocery store if somebody yells something out or you know through a friend or through a book or through a song or through even the news you know or or whatever so um but let's see what else is in here wow you know and i think this is the second time we read this that they accuse him and we read it not too long ago in the last chapter so they accuse him of of being you know part of satan's world here and that is really really sad um and he read his, their thoughts you know you know saying he gets his power from the enemy the devil um and then he got him good because he said well what about your exorcists people <laughs> you got exorcists doing this now you're talking you're you're condemning what they do right it's interesting i that thought i saw that I, it's interesting that um, the other guys can expel demons without the name of Jesus. Mm -hmm. Okay, because they they weren't using Jesus' name, but other other uh, Pharisees, you know, can. I like the way you said, but I, if I'm casting out demons by the Spirit of God, I am mm -hmm. by the Spirit of God. Then mm -hmm. the king, then the reason the kingdom of God has a right among you for uh -huh. who is powerful enough to enter the house of a strong uh -huh. man like Satan yeah. uh -huh. and plunder his goods. Only someone even stronger, someone who could tie him up and, and plunder, plunder his, his house. house. That's the first time I've seen that in the scripture like that. You know, take the plunder, take the goods, you know, overpower him. But you know, it's interesting him. that he says they cast out demons by the power of Satan, but then... He goes on to say that he's bound and plunder, and it's all in content. So I, so then he was kind of wrapping things up. Anyone who isn't with me opposes me. Anyone who isn't working with me uh -huh. is actually working against me. Now uh -huh. there's a problem. So I tell you, every sin. Okay, let's skip that. And he goes, every tree is that. But uh -huh. then he goes on to say, uh, well, actually, what it is. It seems to be saying that when he talks about when an evil a spirit takes off and he comes back and he brings worse spirits, that's way down there in 43. Um, well, what I'm saying is a person uh, uh, by his own will can get, get prepared to repent. He can repent and clean his heart and, cast, and get demons out. Or be cast out. But if he doesn't put something back in like Jesus, uh -huh. like greater one, like uh -huh. the kingdom of God, uh -huh. as a rhyme, because he or the, the the enemy will end up tied up and and uh, he will be protected. You know, I see a lot of people come in and, and God has a chance to change their heart, but they don't really go into uh -huh. asking Jesus to come in their hearts and protect them by the blood mm, of Jesus. Right. Then the, the demons come back in. Mm. And take them right back out. Yeah. You know, it's... Because yeah. uh, a true born... You know, the the um, preachers that I've heard say that when you... <laughs> and, and I've heard this asked, question asked a lot is, can a Christian be demon-possessed? And what they say is, they can't... If you have the Spirit of God inside of you, then you can't have a demon possess you. But you can be oppressed by this those evil spirits or you, you know, know if you're you, not you can feel like the devil because you're not reading the bible or right. you're you're not um you know you're not exercising spirituality right you're not using the word of god to protect you provide for you i believe that yeah. that sounds good yeah so so it, but here it really says when an evil spirit leaves a person and goes into the desert he comes back. And the house is in order. Um, yeah, I like the way it says it. That Amen. But, but it says, you know, it's interesting. He says, that will be the experience of this evil generation. That's those guys right there. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be a lot uh, of... I think one of the... There's two things right here that stand up really good is... Uh, is is the uh, the Holy Spirit. You know, the Holy Spirit is so tender right yeah. here. It's just amazing because, you know, I used to feel him stronger and stronger in the 80s. And I used to go to movies. I couldn't see movies. Or, but 
So I tell you, every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven, except blasphemy against the Holy Spirit, which will never be forgiven. Mm-hmm. We all think that we have violated this one, okay? Mm-hmm. Anyone who speaks against the Son of Man can be forgiven, but anyone who speaks against the Holy Spirit will never be forgiven, either in this world or in the world. So how do you ex- speak against the Holy Spirit other than your uh, your uh, an the Holy Spirit speaks to us through common sense, through our consciousness, mm-hmm. and tells us we're doing something wrong. And then if we start speaking, uh, avoiding Him, not listening to Him, you know, as opposed to cussing at the, at the thought. Like if a person starts cussing at the thought, which is hmm. talking against the Holy Spirit, that's the thing that, that, that you see Him. You see him talk, going down the street, talking to himself, talking to the air. You know, they just lost it. Some of them. Yeah, I don't know. I, That's I, a very, very, I need a commentary on that yeah. one. But one thing that came to me, because when we read that, it was like, I was trying to understand, because it says that you speak against the Son of Man. So now, you know, let's, you know, the Holy Spirit, you get gifts of the Spirit, but... But you're saying right here you're going to lose your salvation right here. It will not be forgiven. Yeah. So, but I guess what I what the picture I got was okay. You know, we got the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and they're one. You know, they're a triune God, right? So you you can't say that it's only God and no Jesus and no Holy Spirit. That's not what the Word says. So you're really casting the Holy Spirit off like no importance right here it divides the two it mm-hmm. says if you speak against Jesus mm-hmm. it will be forgiven mm-hmm. but if you speak against mm-hmm. the yeah. Holy Spirit it will not be forgiven so there's mm-hmm. a distinction yeah. the Holy Spirit is a, is a you know, he's a triune God but when the Holy Spirit is here to do a certain action here on earth why would he be sent he's sent to be a, he'd be a representative be a representative of Jesus and to remind us of what Jesus said. So, so if the Holy Spirit is the, uh, reminding us of what Jesus said, and you're, and you're speaking against the Holy Spirit. Well, how about um, uh, speaking against the Holy Spirit could be now I realize this too. It could be a different doctrine. Okay. Mm-hmm. That, yeah, I just thought about that. Different doctrine, yeah. a different. Uh, you know, or you're saying. Uh, you're not acknowledging that you're not acknowledging what Jesus has done. Right. So it's the, still, the pastors are, you know. Yeah. Even yeah. Even though you're not speaking bad about um, Jesus, let's see. Okay, that's we're going too far into no, it. That's, I really, that's I really good think enough. That's a good because point. Uh, well, we have you know we got more time and we need to go to different translations and hit some commentaries, but it, that's good enough for me yeah. that. Uh, you know, the Holy because you know John always talks about with why the Holy Spirit is here. Mm-hmm. He's here to remind us of what you know of, of what Jesus. It reminds us of what Jesus said. Mm-hmm. It'll remind you of what what I have said. That's what he said. The Holy Spirit is here to remind you of what I have said. He'll remind you and tell you more things. He will not speak of himself, but will remind you mm-hmm. of what I said. So he's a he's kind of like a. Amen. Uh, so you know, when we try to read more into it, it's just very basically that. Uh, in other words, don't people will, will be putting their own show on the platform instead of what common sense is telling them. Talk about Jesus washing feet, Jesus breaking bread. You know, people get tired of that, and they want to talk deeper things. But this this is deep enough. Wow. This little commentary says, uh, But who, uh, whosoever speaketh against the Holy Ghost in the sense before declared, not because the Holy Ghost is greater than Christ, or for want of efficacy in the blood of Christ, or because God cannot pardon it, but because such persons willfully, maliciously, and obstinately oppose the Spirit of God, who without whom there can be no application of pardon made, 
and remain in hardness of heart are given up to a reprobate mind and die in the impenitence and unbelief. And so there's no forgiveness for that. Okay, beautiful. Okay. okay. So they're not accepting Jesus Christ. Right, pretty much. And the Holy Spirit is telling them we got to accept the cross and they're not doing it. Right. They're extending the salvation. Evil in the evil. They're, uh, Amen, amen. I love Psalm 16, the way you read yeah. one of my favorite psalms. I really, I was really enjoying reading this. I will bless the Lord who guides me. Even at night, my heart instructs me. I know the Lord is always with me. I will not be shaken, for he is at my right hand. And I know this. Yeah. No wonder my heart is glad and I rejoice. My body rests in safety. In the New King James, it says, and my glory rejoices. I like that when it says, my glory rejoices, and my body rests in safety. Because you know you're going to go to heaven. You just mm-hmm. know Amen. that you yeah. know. Mm-hmm. You will show me the way of life. Grant me the joy of your presence and the pleasures of living with you forevermore. Woo-hoo! And that, that man that was on that TBN, he started his name with a W, win something. He was kind of talking about that. It's like... You're more like you're comfortable because you know it's eternal. You know you're not. I forget how he was. He really mm-hmm. had a lot to say. That was a really good program yesterday. I wish I could have been more like I'd have to listen to it again to really get some of his. Um, I, I like where it says, "Lord, um, every." Or it says, "I said to the Lord, you're my master. Every good thing I have comes from you." Amen. Yeah. Lord, you alone are my inheritance, my cup of blessing, and I like it. You guard all that is mine. The land you have given me is a pleasant land. Amen. Okay. Start to believe for a house. The house you have given us is a pleasant house. This one. uh, Lord, you alone are my inheritance, my cup of blessing. You Mm -hmm. guard all that is mine. And then it says, Amen. It says, The godly people in the land are my true heroes. I take pleasure in them. Mm-hmm. They're like this one. Trouble multiplies for those who chase after other gods. Mm-hmm. Amen. Trouble multiplies. Mm-hmm. Amen. Okay, good Amen. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for the reading of your word. Thank you for the good fruit that's in the tree that we desire to see you. And, Lord, we believe, Lord. And, Father, we pray that we produce good fruit for you Amen. and countless others for your glory and your honor in Jesus' name. Thank you for taking good care of us, Lord. We're yep. satisfied with our care, Lord. We're satisfied with our care. Amen.